Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Take It or Leave It podcast. It's your host, J-Rod. Thank you so much for joining us on this Monday evening. I apologize for having to move the scheduled start time from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock, but I'm glad to be here live. Thank you guys so much for those of you who are listening in. We want to remind you of the phone number to call the show. That number is 646-564-9820. That's 646-564-9820. Before we begin again, I would just like to announce that my podcast is now available on iTunes. Last week, the numbers were amazing. Had about 150 downloads within the first day. So iTunes has definitely boosted up the show a bit. So we want to thank you guys for that. Your support has been amazing. You can search the podcast under Take It or Leave It under the podcast app or in your iTunes app. Take It or Leave It in the podcast app or in the iTunes app on your iPhone. Please subscribe. Whenever I upload a new podcast, it'll immediately go to your phone. You'll be able to hear it. You'll be able to download it as well if you wish. And I would really appreciate that. So just wanted to inform you guys of that. And I'm excited for the show tonight. I know we're off to a late start. All-Star Weekend in baseball. Right now, the Home Run Derby is going on right now. So we're going to have a few updates on that while everyone is listening in. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. The All-Star Game, which is tomorrow night at 8 o'clock p.m. on Fox. As well as some basketball talk. The free agent of the offseason has finally signed Gordon Hayward to my team, the Boston Celtics. So I'm super excited about that. We're going to talk about that and the moves that came after that, as well as some uh, Knicks talk as well. We're also going to talk about the Yankees, aside from the All-Star Week. So we're going to have a half baseball show, half basketball show. Uh, It's an exciting time for baseball as well. We're at the halfway point now, so... Uh, We're not quite in the stretch run, but we'll be there soon. So all these games coming up are very important. And there's a lot of storylines for us to discuss. And we're excited to have you guys listening in. And I just wanted to thank all of you guys for uh, the support. I want to go over some ground rules as usual. We only have two of them. Number one is that you please refrain from cursing, profanity, We'd really appreciate it. Uh, My podcast is clean on iTunes, so I like to keep it that way. And um, additionally, let's always remain respectful. I respect you. You respect me. And we're going to have a lot of fun. So I want to remind everyone of the phone number. It's 646-564-9820. As we get into tonight's topics, of course, feel free. Call in. Chime in. Let me know what you guys think going to be a lot of hot takes flying around and uh, I want to hear from you so you guys don't have to hear me talk all day you guys can pick up the phone and call in as well and we will put you on the air live on the take it or leave it podcast all right so additionally please follow me on instagram at mr underscore jrod two y's as well as on Twitter, J Montana, that's J-A-Y-M-O-N-T-A-N-N-A-A. I constantly post updates 
there in regards to the podcast when we go live and things of that sort. So if you guys can do that, I'd appreciate that as well. So let's get right to it. We're going to start off with baseball first. The Home Run Derby is currently taking place right now. For those of you who either missed it or you're watching right now, um, Aaron Judge is going to be facing off in the final against Miguel Sanu of the Minnesota Twins. Definitely a shock there. Everyone was expecting a Stanton versus a Judge, uh, but Stanton got eliminated in the first round by another baby bomber, Gary Sanchez. So that was exciting to watch as well. The bracket for the 2017 Home Run Derby was Judge against Justin Bohr. Justin Bohr came out the gate with 22 home runs, which was a pretty big um, number to match. But Judge was able to surpass him with 23 home runs, getting the 23rd home run in extra time due to the bombazos he was hitting. He got some extra time because of his distance. So that was an exciting matchup to watch, as well as uh, Gary Sanchez against Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton was the favorite. He's playing at home, but Gary Sanchez was able to knock him off in the first round with 17 home runs to Stanton 16. So that was very exciting to watch as well. And additionally, it was um, Miguel Sanu who also advanced to the next round in his first round. And also uh, Bellinger advanced to the next round against Charlie Blackman. So, You had uh, Bellinger going up against Judge, where Judge defeated him. And then you had um, Sanu, who also advanced now to the final. So Sanu is up first. He's the fifth seed against Judge, who's the second seed. And we're going to update you guys as to what's happening now. Sanu just hit his first home run. So it's definitely going to be an exciting final. I'm sure nobody expected it except for Judge. So hopefully he wins. I know it's a bit late now. It's supposed to be on the air at 9 o'clock. Um, but I'm just going to give you my predictions. I know you guys probably be like, oh, you saw what happened already. But I had this down well before the uh, derby began. So my predictions was a judge versus Stanton final. Obviously, that didn't happen. But I got the judge part correct. So there goes that. And uh, my prediction for the winner was Aaron Judge. Let's see if I am correct with that. Last year, Giancarlo Stanton won, as I mentioned before. He's playing in his hometown ballpark in Marlins Park. He really killed it last year with 61 total home runs in uh, all three rounds. His longest home run was 497 feet, and he had an average home run distance of 446 feet. 61 home runs is a lot of home runs to hit. Last year's derby was in Petco Park. So, which is not really a home run type of ballpark. Marlins Park is not either, but the balls have pretty much been flying out of there as well. So, Sanu is currently struggling. He only has one home run with 234 left, and he calls his first timeout. So, hopefully he regroups. If not, I think Judge is going to walk away with this one. So, got his Gatorade and his towel. So, see what happens with that. But in regards to Stanton, yes, he's a hometown hero. Marlins Park, uh, they had they hosted the World Baseball Classic in March. Um, they have All-Star Week this week. 
The park opened up, I believe, three years ago. So a lot of good things happening for them as well, except for the fact that their team might be sold, uh, which is another craziness that's happening now. A group led by Derek Jeter was supposed to be involved in buying the team. I'm not sure what happened. Didn't have enough to buy it, so they're still trying to come up with that money. But the Marlins are in a little bit of an unstable situation right now due to the sell the sale of their team. But it's good to know that, you know, it's very nice out there and all the baseball stars will be out there for this week. So I'm sure everybody I'm sure that everybody will enjoy it. Uh the home run derby has been amazing. The past few years it's been all right, not too great. But this year they really set it off right with all these stars and all these guys who hit home runs. They've hit home runs all season. And uh I'm glad that the home run derby is back. I remember maybe about 10 years ago, it was like the event to watch. In 2008, I was actually at the one um, where Josh Hamilton hit like 28 home runs in the first round. So that was pretty cool to see. And I'll never forget that day, but that's when it was on and popping back then. But it's kind of slowed down a little bit. But as I mentioned before, I'm really glad that they're getting it back right. So... A big storyline coming into the Home Run Derby was Logan Morrison of the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, He wasn't quite happy that uh, he did not get selected by the MLB to take part. And um, he specifically called out Gary Sanchez. Now, Sanchez has 14 home runs. Morrison has 24 home runs. So... Obviously, he didn't feel too great about that, but, you know, not everyone gets that chance. Also, too, Sanchez was hurt during the first month of the season. So the fact that he was able to hit 14 home runs during the first month, that was very, uh, very good. And that's the reason why that they chose him. By the way, Sanu has four home runs. And there's about a minute and 20 seconds left. I mean, unless Judge is really like, exhausted I don't see how he can hit more than I mean how he can't hit more than five or six home runs so let's see what happens to might have his fifth he just got his fifth right now so we'll keep you up to speed with that uh but yes in regards to Logan Morrison against Gary Sanchez he should not have called out Sanchez at all it's okay if you're upset you can voice that but to specifically call out someone from another team to say they should not have been there, that's a low blow. That's low sportsmanship on your end. Um, this is not like he's a guy known for smacking home runs every year. He set a career high in home runs this year, and I know it's the halfway point, so that was big for him. I'm sure that got to his head. But he hit 23 home runs with the Marlins in 2011, which was the most he's ever hit. Um, and every other year besides that, he hasn't hit more than 17 home runs. From 2011 to 2016, he averaged 14 home runs and 109 games per year. So for him to call out another guy, especially Gary Sanchez, come on, for only having 14 home runs, it's not like he has that, you know, home run threat that'll wow the crowd. So that plays a part in it as well. Sanu just finished up with 10 home runs. That's the number to beat. Well, not yet. He has a 30-second bonus. So let's see how many he gets in bonus time. But he ended his uh, final round with 10 home runs. 
and Judge is up next. So the exact quote from him was, Gary shouldn't be there. I remember when I had 14 home runs, and that was a month and a half ago. As I mentioned before, Sanchez missed the first three weeks. He had 14 home runs. Last year, Sanchez had 21, 20 home runs in the first 53 games. And he was called up on August 3rd. So he was the fastest to 20 home runs, which the record was broken this year by Cody Bellinger, who was also in the Derby this year. Morrison from the All-Star break last year until now, 28 home runs. And Sanchez from the All-Star break until now, 34 home runs. He is a journeyman. He had a nice three, three months. He was super hot, but that doesn't get you there. You need to do more than that. So for him to call him out was wrong. If you look at Thames, Thames had 23 home runs. He was playing in another country last year. So I would have liked to see him there as well. Morrison, negative. Now, Sanchez responded, which I love. He said, it's not my fault he didn't get selected. Morrison also lost the final vote. He's not even an all-star, and uh, he wouldn't have won regardless. So that's that. Let's bring in our first caller. Hello? Hello? Hey, what's going on? Who's calling? Hey, what's up, Justin? It's Mike. How are you? What's up, Mike? What's going on? Yeah, man. You watching this, this? This home run derby. Yeah, this home run derby is very good, man. Uh, I'm so one. glad that uh, Major League Baseball decided to change it up too with the with the rounds because they good used to drag point. a lot before. Yep, those ten outs were pretty rough. You know, we couldn't really see these guys smacking the home runs the way that we want because in the back of their mind they're like, oh, we only have ten outs. You know what I mean? So the fact that they were able to change it to time rounds, that was a good call. Yeah, it was definitely. But um, you bring up a good point that um about Logan Morrison. And it, it it was sad of him to say it like that, the way he probably didn't mean intentionally to say it disrespectfully, but right. I guess he was just a little upset about the whole situation. Which is true, which is why, you know, I kind of said it's okay if he's like, oh, man, you know, I'm having a great year. I should be there. That's fine. I just didn't like how he called him out that way. You know what I mean? He could have just said, you mm-hmm. know, I felt like there were guys there who, you know, I've smacked more home runs than them this year. Or, But he didn't have to say it by name. So I can understand why he was upset, but I just felt it was kind of wrong that he called him out by name. Yes, most definitely, man. But at least the fact is that at least the home run derby, the NBA could take a little note from it because yep. the NBA slam dunk contest has not really – fulfilled fans' expectations, especially this year. The last year was mind-blowing. That We yeah. haven't had a slam dunk contest like that since the Vince Carter era. And it just, I don't know what happened this year. That's a good point, too. And I actually have been kind of upset myself because I used to want to watch it every single year. And then it just died. It just died. I think the one good year between Vince and now was with Dwight and Blake, when Blake jumped over the car, I mean, he didn't really, like, clear the car. But it was cool. You know what I mean? And Dwight as well. He came out with the cape and the suit. So it, it was really nice. But since then, it's been, like, really blah. 
and I hope they do mm-hmm. something, man, because I kind of miss the old days. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that it's not because of the people feel rushed, because if you see on Instagram and all these medias, these guys can dunk, and yep. they've done dunks. But then when it's time to shine, it's like, okay, what happened? And it's a good thing that they put the limits for their dunks as well, because yeah. we won't have another Nate Robinson incident. <laughs> That's a good so point, that'll, too. That'll help. Yeah, with the uh, time, too, though, it's like, I'm not sure. They may be rushed, and they may feel like, you know, I got to rush this. And those are the dunks where you really have to get every step down. Everything has to flow the same way for you to knock those dunks down. So, I mean, but then again, these are pros, so they should be practicing. I've heard stuff where guys in the hotel the night before have had nothing, and they're like, oh, let's just come up with this. You know what I mean? Like, if you accept that role to represent your team, you should, you know, the least that you can do is practice that dunk. And I've heard some mm-hmm. crazy stuff, but I guess that they don't really think about the fans too much, but the fans expect a lot from them. So I hope that they think about that more and um, hopefully it gets good, man. But this year was amazing. So who do you have in this round? You think judge will win it? Yeah. He's been on a roll. It, it, it seems like you it's just more than a little like a comfortable lead and like swatting mosquitoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he has like a crazy man. swing. There goes his first one. Yeah, and then the the good part too, he's hitting in all parts of the field. So that's, I was that's gonna even say more that amazing. Too. I was gonna say that too. He's hitting a lot of bombs to right field. He just goes where the ball takes him. I mean, he hits the ball into the second deck in right field. So that's crazy man. Amazing. That's amazing. There's been a few like now. He hit the ball into the lights and it doesn't count. <laughs> oh man. Which is messed up. I'm not sure why the roof is closed. Yeah, it's actually raining. There's a snow hit one. They show oh, the yeah? lightning in the background. Oh yeah. wow! I didn't realize it was raining. Yeah. Wow. So he has five home runs now. Just for those of you who are listening in, he has five home runs. Well, six, six home now. Runs now. <laughs> And I think he swung the bat six times. And he hits another one. (laughs) Three minutes left. And here goes another one. That's seven. Tag. This guy is amazing. And he throws the barrel of the bat. (laughs) Is that another one? Finally missed one. He has seven home runs with 245 left. Oh, he got it over. (laughs) Oh, there goes eight. He hasn't used his timeout yet. He may not even need to use it. There goes another one. No, this guy has a lot of time left. This guy is something else, man. I don't even know what to say. Unbelievable. And hit the statue. That is crazy. <laughs> wow. Uh, this is it. Let's wow. see. Let's see. I kind of want to see him use this whole time, though, just to put on a show for the fans, even if he gets this one. Really? Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> he just hit it out. Yeah, he won it. There wow. it is. There it is. That's the the Yankees did good finally with their with finally. their homegrowns. Finally. So they have a bright future. Hopefully, they could look for some starting pitching out. Oh wow! They got streamers. They got confetti. Crazy. Aaron Judge is a beast, bro. 
He is. He's a monster. <laughs> Yankees still need it. to, you know, make a few moves and do a few things, but at least they're finally they going in the right route. Right, for sure. Because it was yeah. looking bleak for a little bit. So I'm glad that they were able to right the ship. And Judge has definitely uh, been a big part of that. I just wanted to go over a few more of my predictions now that it's done. Um, my farthest home run prediction was 520 feet. I know that was probably a bit much. I think he got 509, right? Yeah. 509 was the farthest. Yeah. And my total home run count for Judge, I had him at 55. I'm not sure what he wound up with, but. but what's that? Before the final round, he had 36. Oh, he had 36. So now, yeah. So what he, he wound up with? 48. Yeah, he had a thousand seventeen feet of home run before the final round. Wow. Actually, with two things, he hit a thousand seventeen feet. He Crazy. definitely could have hit fifty-five homers, but he was he he won with mad time left. So. Yeah, if he would have had the old format, yeah, he would have demolished um, Josh Hamilton's record. That was a great derby. Yes, it was. But so while we're here, my... okay, go ahead. Oh no! Oh, so you cutting me off? My fault. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say to uh, thank you for calling in, um, Lomo. Oh, I know we spoke about that beforehand. He could have done it a little bit differently, but it's all good now. They move on. Judge won, and uh, all rise for the judge. Yes. I'm looking right, forward Mike. to say about Tim Hardaway later. So, all right, no problem. <laughs> we'll definitely be on for that. All right, man. Later. Later. Have a good night. All right. So we want to thank Mike for calling in. That was a good final round. Aaron Judge, your 2017 Home Run Derby champion, surpassing Giancarlo Stanton, who some called his twin, the twin he never met. They finally met this weekend. They said it was kind of weird uh, to meet. Everybody has uh, compared him to Stanton, and they never met b- before. So it was pretty cool. We were expecting a Stanton versus Judge final, but uh, Stanton lost in the first round, as previously mentioned. And now Joe Torre is going to pre- present Aaron Judge with the trophy for winning the Derby, which is pretty cool. Former manager of the Yankees, and now he has a uh, – I'm not sure what his role is, but he has some big role in the uh, major leagues now. So pretty cool moment for Aaron Judge, the rookie. This is pretty cool to see, personally, as a Yankee fan. So that's that. That was good to watch. Now we're going to move on a little bit towards the uh, All-Star game. The All-Star Game is happening tomorrow night at 8 o'clock on Fox. And these rosters are amazing. The voting process, I voted myself quite a few times. So that was pretty cool. The final vote as well broke a record. Justin Turner had 20 million votes. In the National League, Harper led everyone with 4.6 million votes. Judge led the American League with 4.45 million votes. 
I'm predicting the winner of the American League tomorrow. Chris Sale is starting from the Boston Red Sox. And their lineup is pretty good, which we're going to go over right now. The lineups just came out today around 3 o'clock p.m. We're going to go over the starters first. Uh, We've got Salvador Perez catching from the Kansas City Royals. Justin Smoke playing first base from the Toronto Blue Jays. Jose Altuve got the starting nod at second base from the Houston Astros. Jose Ramirez from the Cleveland Indians will be playing the hot corner at third base. Carlos Correa is going to be playing shortstop for the Houston Astros. In the three outfield spots, we have Aaron Judge from the Yankees. He'll be playing right field. Um, George Springer from the Houston Astros. Mookie Betts from the Boston Red Sox. And Corey Dickerson from the Tampa Bay Rays. So those were the starters who were voted in by the fans. A lot of votes took place. Um, Actually, I have to say Mike Trout was supposed to be starting, but he injured his thumb. So therefore... They put a replacement in, and now Mookie Betts will be taking his place. Now for the lineups for tomorrow night. Before we go to the lineups, I'm just going to go over the National League first, who was voted in by the fans. Catching is Buster Posey from the San Francisco Giants. Ryan Zimmerman playing first base from the Nationals. Daniel Murphy playing second base from the Nationals as well. Nolan Arenado is playing third base for the Colorado Rockies. Zach Cozart is playing shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds. Outfield, we have Bryce Harper from the Nationals, three Washington Nationals who are starting in this All-Star game. Charlie Blackman from the Rockies. And Marcel Osuna, who was a Miami Marlin, was voted in, and he'll be representing his team, and Giancarlo Stanton will be the DH. Now the lineups for tomorrow night. Pretty interesting for the American League. Altuve will be batting first. Jose Ramirez is batting second. Aaron Judge is batting third. George Springer is batting fourth. Carlos Correa is batting fifth. Justin Smoke is batting sixth. Corey Dickerson, seventh. Salvador Perez, eighth. And Mookie Betts, ninth. With Chris Sale starting for the American League team. For the National League, Charlie Blackman. He'll be leading off for them. Giancarlo Stanton, as I mentioned before, is a DH. He'll be batting second. Bryce Harper is batting third. Buster Posey is batting fourth. Daniel Murphy is batting fifth. Nolan Arenado, sixth. Ryan Zimmerman, seventh. Marcel Osuna, eighth. And Zach Cozart will be batting ninth. So those are the lineups with Max Scherzer as well for the National League. He'll be starting. So those are the lineups. Uh, For tomorrow night's game It should be a great game I'm excited to watch it Um, Also this year Major League Baseball has removed the rule Where the winner of the All-Star game Determines who gets home field In the World Series It is now an exhibition game Which is pretty cool As it should have been for a long time Um, Also just to give you guys an update On what's going on at ESPN It's the Celebrity All-Star game Ricky Henderson led off the game with a home run. Jamie Foxx is batting now. This is cool to watch. I kind of like to watch this as well. But, yes, back to tomorrow. That's what's happening tomorrow. The American League 
um, is going to try to attack the National League pitching staff. They have a great mix of power and skill. Aaron Judge of the Yankees, of course, he's going to be the guy to watch, the most eye-catching player in this All-Star game. He has broken the team record for home runs by a rookie, hitting 30 home runs this year. That record was previously held by Yankee great Joe DiMaggio. Uh, George Springer will also be one to watch with 27 home runs, and Justin Smoke with 23 home runs. Altuve is having a great year as well. He's hit 13 home runs, 25 doubles, and two triples. Mookie Betts has 16 home runs and 15 stolen bases, and Salvador Perez of the Royals has a 532 slugging percentage and is one of the game's best clutch hitters. So it'll be a good game to watch. A lot of good reserves as well. The American League pitching staff features Chris Sale of the Red Sox, Chris Archer of the Tampa Bay Rays, Luis Severino of the Yankees, Andrew Miller of the Cleveland Indians, and Craig Kimbrell of the Red Sox, just to name a few. He'll be the starter for the American League, Chris Sale, that is, as he was last year in San Diego. He has an 11-4 record with a 2.75 ERA and 178 strikeouts. Archer pitched Sunday against the Red Sox. He's had a bounce-back season as well. After struggling in 2016, Severino has a 3.54 ERA, and he's held opponents to a 2.30 batting average while striking out 128 hitters. Definitely a good mix of pitchers and position players. Some other good names for the American League team, pitching-wise, Dellen Batances, Corey Kluber, Hugh Darvish, and Jason Vargas as well, who may be a Cy Young candidate and may win the award this year as well as Lance McCullers Jr., who was previously hurt, but he's back now. So it's going to be a fun game to watch in the National League. Of course, it's featured by Bryce Harper, who led all players in his votes with $4.6 million for the All-Star game. He has 20 home runs and a 1.021 OPS. Charlie Blackman of the Rockies has 20 homers and 61 RBIs. And his teammate, Nolan Arenado, he has 17 home runs and 70, 70 RBIs, while having a gold glove at third base. This guy has made some amazing plays this year. I don't know how he does it, but Nolan Arenado will be playing third. Buster Posey, the Giants have had a really, really tough year. Um, it seems like one year they're good, the next year they're bad, the next year they're good, the next year that they're bad. So I guess this is their off year. Uh, but he's hitting 325 with 10 home runs. And Daniel Murphy of the Nationals will be playing second base. He's leading all of baseball with a three point with a point three four I'm sorry with a three forty two batting average and he himself has driven in sixty four runs. In the National League, the pitchers of course will try to um counter against the American League uh starters. Clayton Kershaw, who in my opinion is the best pitcher in baseball, he will not pitch on Tuesday because he started Sunday against the Royals. But Scherzer, Grinke, Strasburg, and Alex Wood will all be able to uh, step in, and they'll be able to pitch. Joe Madden of the Chicago Cubs will be managing the game. He has already announced Scherzer as a starter, so that'll be good to watch. Opponents have only hit 163 off of Max Scherzer, and he struck out 173 batters in 128 innings. Grinke also has an 11-4 record with a 2.86 ERA. Strasburg 9-3 with a 3.43 ERA, and opponents are hitting 222 off of him. 
the bullpen features Kenley Jensen and Wade Davis. And uh, if you get to the back of that bullpen, it's a very, very good chance that you'll win that game. Just want to remind the folks at home of the number to call in. If there's anything that you guys would like to discuss in regards to baseball, so far we'll be discussing basketball in a few. The number is 646-564-9820. That is 646-564-9820. Feel free to call in and share your thoughts on the American League versus National League, the All-Star Game, which is happening tomorrow night in Miami. As I mentioned before, my prediction to win is the American League. And now we're going to go over some snubs. Not everyone was voted in by the fans, and there were some reserves who were not uh, selected as well by the managers of either teams. One of the biggest snubs is Chris Bryant, the reigning National League MVP. He has an OPS of 901 with 16 home runs. He leads the National League third baseman with 53 walks, but third base was pretty packed this year in the National League. Um, the Cubs as a whole, they have not done too well, so they kind of snubbed him a bit, and even when guys were uh, announced to be hurt or they wouldn't be able to play because they pitched over, over the weekend, Chris Bryant was not mentioned as an all-star. Madden is the manager for the Cubs, so I was kind of surprised at that. But Chris Bryant will be watching from home this year. One of the game's best players. Um, he's amazing at third base, and he swings the stick well as well. So additionally for the Cubs, Schwarber has been hurt. Hayward has been hurt. So Bryant has kind of had to put the team on his back per se, but I guess he hasn't done it enough. So, Chris Bryant is a snub in my book. He should have been an all-star. Also, Anthony Rendon, also a third baseman for the Nationals. He has a 3.7 war and a .951 OPS. He's the highest. That's the highest OPS among qualified National League third basemen. And on top of that, he's in the top five for RBIs, home run, walks, hits, and runs among everybody at third base. So, I'm not too sure what happened there. Like I said, third base is pretty jam-packed. But Anthony Rendon should have definitely, definitely been an all-star. In the American League, Marcus Stroman from Toronto. He got off to a bit of a slow start. Uh, but overall, he's been pretty good since the slow start. He has a 3.25 ERA in his last 13 starts. And um, Stroman definitely dominated in the World Baseball Classic as he was the MVP. So I thought fans would see him and kind of I'm sorry, not the fans, because the fans don't vote who gets to pitch in these games. I thought that it would, you know, ring a bell to those who did pick the team to allow him to be up on this team, but apparently that was not the case for him. I wanted to see him again in the All-Star game, but unfortunately he didn't make a cut. Additionally, Gio Gonzalez from the Nationals as well. The Nationals have been having a good year. They have All-Stars left and right. He has a 2.77 ERA. Um, he is a lefty. He's having a career year, a Cy Young caliber season. He's currently second among all National League. Um, I'm sorry. He's currently second among everyone in the National League in war and third in ERA. And I'm not sure why he's not an all-star, but Scherzer and Strasburg are. So I guess it wouldn't be fair if all three of them, their top three guns, 
were selected to be in the All-Star game. So it's a shame he should be there, but it's cool. I'm sure if he has another great year next year, he'll be there. Travis Shaw from Milwaukee as well. He's having a phenomenal year. He's batting 291. His on-base percentage is 357, and his OPS is 554. I'm sorry, his on-base plus slugging is 554. The Red Sox, I'm sure they would like to undo the Tyler Thornburg trade, which got Shaw to Milwaukee. He's been a monster. He leads the National League. He's in the top 10, I'm sorry, in extra base hits. And he's playing a pretty good third base as well. So would have been cool to see him representing Milwaukee in the All-Star game. And my last snub is Carlos Carrasco from the Cleveland Indians. He's never made an All-Star game. He's 30 years old, but he's really, really good. Over the past four years, he has a 3.27 ERA with 609 strikeouts over 461 innings pitch. Now, he's been hurt, so in times past, that hasn't helped his case. But this year, he stayed relatively healthy. He ranks 10th in the American League with his 3.50 ERA, and his 103 strikeouts ties him for 7th in the league with Lance McCullers Jr. from the Astros. So Carrasco, I have him on my fantasy team, so I kind of wanted to see him there. But those are my snubs for this year. I'm shocked that those guys did not make it, but perhaps next year they'll make the cut. Let's welcome in our next caller. Hello? Hey, it's Loudmouth Larry. Loudmouth Larry. What's going on, Matthew? <laughs> what's up, Justin? What's up? How you doing? Please you tell me you were watching you watch the show, the show that Aaron show. Judge put on. Of course. Bombasos left and right, well, bro. He, he, it just, it looks so effortless. Effortless. Like, you see guys... You know, the, the Frank Thomases, the Gary Sheffields, dudes who put all of it into the ball. But this guy's got a, a griffy-looking swing. Just ding. As Mike said, swatting at mosquitoes. Incredible. I mean, this dude put um, on a show. He was hitting them far, bro. I mean, he was hitting them far. And that's not a, that's not a park where a lot of guys be smacking home runs. Yeah, and, and not only that, but he was he was hitting the upper glass windows. It, it was incredible. He hit a ball five hundred and thirteen feet. That's crazy. So that was the longest one, huh? Five hundred and thirteen feet. Yeah, five fifteen. I think was his longest. That was amazing. It reminded me of uh, when they had the home run derby here in Yankee Stadium. That. Josh Hamilton, who's no longer in the league, was putting up bombs to dead center in Yankee Stadium. I was there, bro. Reminded me of those days. I was there, Incredible. bro. That was a great home run derby, too. Justin, the, so I know we're talking on? baseball. Of course. I, after, I mean, you know, we don't get to see a lot of the small market guys. And granted, you as, as amazing as a city Miami is, it's not the market that New York is. Right. I was very, very impressed with Justin Bohr. And sure. clearly, I mean, no one's catching no one's catching the Nationals at this point. Um, so I, I wouldn't be upset if the Yankees made a run at Justin Bohr for first base. What do you think? So I did hear about that as well. I am open to all trades. We obviously have a hole to fill at first base. Uh, I kind of hope that Greg Bird would come by by now. He hasn't. 
And I know we've talked about that in length before, but at this point in time, I'm, I'm okay with trades as long as we do not give up core pieces to our youth and our farm. That's the only thing that I, I agree. am fearful of. Now, I agree. So with that said, Justin, GM, yeah. with, that, with that said, right, let's say you are now Justin Cashman, and they say, Justin, go get us a piece. Who are you willing to, to let go? I am Let's say for a guy like Justin, a guy like Justin Bohr, who would crush. Hey, he's a lefty hitter, so he would crush that right field porch. Which who is true, but I go for him. But I am also scared because this team, in times past, they've signed guys specifically to hit in the right field porch, and they wind up jacking up their swing and either hit a home run or miss. That's the only thing that I am fearful of. And, and I know Bohr is a, is a guy who can hit the ball out of that park. He can definitely murder balls out into the right field porch. I get that. But I just hope, I just hope that it doesn't mess up his swing and he doesn't try to go up there every single time trying to hit a home run because that will not be beneficial to us. Now, in terms of who I would give up prospect-wise, because that is the only thing that it will take. They will not take um, Gardner... Um, Headley, they won't take those guys. Those guys are kind of older now. Um, Headley's making 13 mil a year to do a whole lot of nothing. And Gardner, at this point, I don't think that they trade him. He's been a very important part to, to this team, despite his age. He has 15 home runs in the first half of this year, which is great. So I don't see him being on another team. Um, and I don't see him in a part of a, a trade for Bohr. However, prospect-wise, we are, I, w- I would say at shortstop, uh, what's this guy's name? Jorge Mateo? Right. There is no space for him, okay? Didi is up now. Um, Glaber will be up next year. He's a top guy that we have that there's really not a lot of room for him, and I think that if you throw a piece like him out there, I think they'll take it and Bohr can be on this team with, with, uh, with a deal with him in, in involved. It's funny you mentioned Brett Gardner, because to be honest, I mean, from day one, I've said that Gardner and Ellsbury are essentially the same exact player. I mean, Gardner's got a little more pop, but they're essentially the same exact player at this point. I would not mind – you know, biting the bullet, the Yankees do have unlimited pockets, and granted, it's not our money we're spending, it's their money. Right. Um, eating eating Els, uh, a substantial amount of Ellsbury's contract and getting rid of him. It's, it's kind of hard because they owe him so much, and when they made that deal, I was really pissed off. That was not a deal that they should have made. Robbie walked, and they didn't want to give him his 240 mil, so they signed uh, McCann and Els, and those two guys did not help us. Els is always hurt. He's always on the DL, and I'm not sure if teams would take that risk. If they put him out there and say, listen, we'll pay half of what he makes now, I'm still not sure that teams will say, okay, yes, bring him on for like a guy like Bohr because he's always hurt. I don't he's 31 now, and I'm right. not sure the value that he has. 
at this point in time, even if they eat half of what they're supposed to pay him. So that's a guy that I wish that can be done with. Um, I'm just not too sure what teams out there would be okay with having him on their team. Right. I mean, I, I, I can say wholeheartedly, Clint Frazier, with the little bit that we've seen him, but I mean, the, just he was the main piece coming over in the Eraldis Chapman trade. Yep. I would say Clint Frazier is untouchable. For sure. Um, Aaron Judge, for anything less than Jesus Christ, is untouchable. <laughs> um, I mean, you've got, we've got, um, what's this guy's name? Uh, Austin. Tyler Austin, Austin at first. Another right. guy, Tyler which Austin I'm okay. First. I'm okay if he is a part of a deal because I still believe right. in Greg Bird. And even if Greg Bird does not pan out, if you make a trade for a guy like Bohr, at least we'll have a guy at first base. So that's a guy that we can trade. Right. Um, I, I think Jorge Mateo, Tyler Austin, um, I think those guys are movable pieces. Like you those said, we do have pieces. just a log jam at shortstop and second base. Um, yep. So Mateo, I don't see him. Labor, I mean, it was a freak accident when he had just... He is untouchable, bro. He's untouchable. He um, is the number two yeah, prospect man. in all of baseball. So, hold on to him, and the Yankees will be good for a long time. Yeah. No doubt. So, while we're on this right, Yankee, Yankee talk... Yeah, no, no, thanks. Don't, don't go yet, because we need to hear from you about what I'm about to say. The Yankees obviously have been struggling mightily. They have not played well. They've lost 17 of the past 23 games. At one point, there were 16 games over 500, and now they are 45 and 41 and no longer in the lead in the American League East. Now, a big part of this has been Tyler Clippard, your favorite Yankee this season. The boy on June 13th had a 1.72 ERA. Since then, he has a 6.20 ERA with a 2.52 whip. His overall ERA is 5.24. What happened to this guy? He just fell off the face of the earth, bro. So Tyler Clifford, um, I I really, if people at first wanted to say, well, no, because Chapman's hurt. So instead of coming in the seventh, he's coming in the sixth. Instead of the sixth, he's coming in the fifth. Yada, yada, yada. My thing is this. Unless you are a closer, because a lot of, a lot, a lot of closers, for them it's mental. So you, you see, you'll see closers who are strictly ninth inning guys. You bring them in in the eighth, and, and they, they lose their minds. Yep. Unless you are a closer, all you are expected to do as a pitcher is get three outs at a time. Tyler Clifford has lost his control. He's lost, I mean, he's lost everything. I've seen him in situations where he comes in and there's people on base and he, you know, gives up the lead. He's come in with the bases empty and somehow he manages to to load them. I mean, just just this week he was against, who was it? Who did we just play? Against uh, the Brewers. I believe it was Friday, Saturday night. No, it's Milwaukee. Yeah. Right, the Milwaukee Brewers. He comes in, 
the score is four to two. We are winning. Um, and by the end of the inning, it was eight four. We were losing. He walked the bases loaded, and then gave up the grand slam. I mean, it was, and you could almost call it. Just there's no confidence out there. I mean, while we're on the talking about Marlins players, if I'm not mistaken, I heard you know. Uh, Phelps, David Phelps, who's previously a Yankee and has done really well for them. Yeah. Um, he's on the market. AJ yep. Ramos, their closer, he's on the market. Yep. Um, I mean, th- these are guys who, I mean, even if you don't go out and get bored, it would certainly help to get someone in the in- someone Bullpen needs in the help. The bullpen needs help. I remember, you know, growing up a Yankee fan my whole life where, you know, we had that era where it was. Um, you know, leading up to Mariano, it's always been it's always been a bridge. Whether it was the Ramiro Mendoza Mariano, whether it's the Tom Gordon to Mariano, whether it Tom was the Gordon, David Robertson yeah. to Mariano. I mean, you know, these are guys. The eighth and ninth inning has not been a problem for the Yankees in a very long time, and it shouldn't be. And, you know, it shouldn't be because we have two of the best guys in the bullpen on our team. But it's just the bridge getting to them. We need a guy, a solid guy, who can come in, get us three outs, and bridge that gap. If we don't have that, we could have whoever you want out there. It won't matter because you need that bridge to cover that gap. Right. And when it comes down to the meaningful games, you know, pitching pitching will always overshadow hitting. And, you know, Tanaka, one day he'll give you a brilliant seven innings. You know, the next game, he may not even give you four. So it's really hard. I mean, CC was pitching well up until the injury. He just came back. Toronto lit him up. Um, Montgomery is, is here and there, but he's a rookie. You know, whatever he gives you, you'll take. Yep. But it, it, it's, it's, really, it's really frustrating to see guys go out there and battle. You know, and, and great, you've got Judge, you've got Sanchez who are having great years. But, you know, it's going to come down to when those games, when it's a, when it's a two-to-one game, when it's a three-to-one game or three-two you know, you need a guy who's going to go out there and give you, you know, who's going to leave it all on the field. You can't, you know, cross your fingers and say, oh, man, here we go. Yeah. And, and with Tyler Clifford, every time Tyler Clifford takes that mound, it's, oh, man, here we go. It's one of those. Yep. And uh, I think that we can trace this back to their West Coast trip when he really just lost it. I'm not sure. One went down. I was staying up late watching those games. And this guy, every time he would come in, he would blow the lead automatically, and series, I'm not sure why. That series versus the Angels, and then the series that followed it right after against the against Athletics. The yep. He was like he he was throwing batting practice out there. And those were really close games it. that we should have won, where we lost by one or two points, or we had a lead at one point. So those are games that we can't lose. Every win counts. And and I I know that we say that you know like yeah you have to win these these games but. For a team like this, this team has a laundry list of guys who have been hurt, right? Right. Uh, Castro, hurt. Who else? Carter, So Castro's hurt. No Greg Bird is hurt. Carter, Carter is an automatic out. Uh, Headley <laughs> has been an out 80% of the time. Um, How, I mean, yeah. it's just—it's really difficult to watch. You, you, and, and Matt Holliday was having, a, despite his age, Matt Holliday was having a really solid season. Hicks he got too. like some weird, like flu or dengue fever or something. Like he picked up something crazy. 
Um, so it's, it's it's hard. But, I mean, when guys go down, and guys will go down, if the Mets – I mean, the Mets had one of the most amazing-looking rotations in years, and I yep. don't think I can recall where they've had a week in on any particular season, just one week, where all five of their starters are healthy. Um, you know, and it's, it's really discouraging. But how many teams can say, like the Yankees have had – Paul O'Neill was was joking about it. The Yankees should bring up a rookie every you know every day. Should bring up just up a different rookie because all the rookies are hitting a home run in their debuts. Shake up the lineup. I mean, you know, G-Man Choi, your boy. G-Man Choi is a solid bat. I mean, his glove looks a little iffy, but you know you'll take that because Carter's bat was iffy and so was his glove. And I mean, his bat was non-existent, bro. I, I agree with that, but I mean the Yankees. Even if the Yankees don't get a guy who's going to crush every single pitch, they should at least get a guy who's going to put a ball in play. Yep, I agree. I agree. So with all that said, I'm you know there's a lot of things that we can take from this. At the at the first part of this year, we really didn't expect them to go far. I can say for myself, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, you know, we, hopefully we can be like a wild card team. Right. But we have a chance to be really, really good. A lot of guys have been hurt. If everybody jumps back on board, plays the way that we know that they can play, this is a team that we can make a little, a bit of a run. This can be like the, the 95 team. The 95 the team, beginning, they were young. They were raw. They lost against Seattle. But right. the next year, they came back and they won. This is a young team. Go ahead. At the beginning of this season, I, I don't know, I forget who I was talking to, but I said if the Yankees, if not the Yankees, if Aaron Judge in his first full season of production can give you 25 home runs and 85 RBIs, he's had a successful rookie season. 25 and 85 would have been more than that. Yep. He's at 30 and 60, what, 64, 63? 65, something like that. Which is way ahead of schedule. He's having Ridiculous. probably the best rookie season ever. He's probably yeah. he's on pace to have. Um I think right now what the Yankees should do is I agree with you, where you don't go out in in, in what used to be the Yankees the Yankee way was where you go out and give out the farm for a guy either past his prime or or you go out and get a guy who you know, you give up the farm based on what he has done in the past, not necessarily what he's doing. But I think Cashman really needs to, you know, really do his homework and reach out to teams that are, you know, are just not going to make it. Like no more Oakland old hags, you know. No more Oakland's old hags. Oakland's 21 games out. Seattle's 17 and a half. Houston has essentially ran away with that division. Yep. Seattle's 17 and a half games out. Oakland's 21. You know, the Phillies are 22 and a half games out. The San Francisco Giants, who are perennial contender are 27 games out. I mean, yeah. go out there and, and look at a guy like a, a, a Brandon Belt or a Hunter Pence where you don't give out too much for him, but is a, a guy who's going to give you a solid bat. Or, you know, Cueto is having a down year. Find out what do they want on Cueto. Alright. That's a risk that we can take. That's that's a risk I'm willing to take. As long Cueto as we don't give up too much. That's my only thing. Right, Johnny Cueto has pitched on really bad teams. For example, the uh, the Cincinnati Reds, and he's yep. had an amazing year. Um, I mean, he's a guy who I would not mind having 
in pinstripes. Matthew, thanks for your call, bro. Yankee talk is the best talk. You already know. Aaron Judge, our boy, he did his thing tonight. I'm so hyped, and I really hope that they can swing things so that we can have a strong um, next half and make that push. Absolutely. Um, I mean, at the very least, I'd like to see us as a, as a, you know, if I had it my way, we'd, we'd win it all this year in a year where no one had us pegged. That's a long shot. Right. But if we could at least make some, make some noise in the playoffs or, you know, scare, scare, you know, a contender, I, I'd love to do that. For sure. Thanks a lot, bro. Appreciate it. All righty. Take care. Take care. All right. So that's Matthew, an avid Yankee fan himself. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm not, I won't lie. In March of this year, I said, listen, if we're a wild card team, I'll be glad with that. But I think that we can win the East this year. We've shown it. We've shown it. We've won a lot of games. We can score runs. Last year, we could not score runs for nothing. This year, we're scoring runs. We're doing our thing. But every team has that slump. And this is our slump. But we can't stay in the slump. We got to get out eventually. So, second half is up. Now's that time. I mean, Judge has been a great... Not, I don't want to say lone bright spot, but he's really upheld this team. He has allowed them to not fall worse than where they should be based upon how they've played in the last, what, 25 games? So shout out to Judge Sanchez as well. The youth movement is in the Bronx. And as a Yankee fan, I'm excited. No more old hags. No more signing guys to long deals up until they're 45. We're not doing that no more. It's over. We build from within. Like I said, we build. Build upon this year. Build upon next year. And I'm going to call it now by 2019. I think that we'll be the team that we need to be. We'll be the team that we need to be and be the best team in baseball. So that's our Yankee talk for the evening. Before we move on to basketball, I just wanted to go over my midseason award winners. That's MVP. Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, and Manager of the Year as well. We're going to start in the American League. The MVP, I have Aaron Judge. Now, for those of you who will say, oh, Mike Trout, even if Mike Trout had not gotten hurt, I think Judge, if he would have had the year that he had now and, and Trout was still there, I think that he would be the best bet. So midway through, I'm going to go with Judge. Um, the greatest thing about him for me is that he doesn't just hit home runs. He's batting 332. He scores a lot of runs. And the most impressive thing is his walks. He has a 449 on base percentage, a 697 um, slugging percentage. He also has 59 runs scored, 66 RBIs, and 30 home runs. He's either leading or in the top three in every major offensive category in the American League. A year ago, he had 44.2% strikeout rate with a 9.5% walk rate. And this year, he has a 29.1% strikeout rate, and he's raised his walk rate to 16.5. I mean, this was a guy who came up last year. He struck out one out of every two times that he came up to bat. And this year, he's just seen the ball well. And I know I spoke to my boy Dave before this year, and we spoke about a change that he would have to make. And he had to, like, bend his knees more. He had to get down a bit. He was standing too upright. He's a big guy. 
And this year he did just that. He has a little bit more of a cross crouch. He sees the ball well. He sees the ball through. And he's really um, able to see the type of ball that's being thrown to see if he should swing or lay off of that pitch. So runner-ups, I mean, Altuve, Correa, Springer, all three of those guys, they've been amazing as well. In 31 games, um, they're 31 games over 500. 31 games. That's amazing. So for them, they're going to do their thing, and they're also going to be great for a long time. They have a nice group of young guys, and I'm sure that's the team that we up, will be up against in the near future. Beside Young, I'm going to go with uh, Chris Sale. Chris Sale has been amazing. I said some of his stats beforehand. He's 11-4 and with a 275 ERA. He has 178 strikeouts in 128 innings pitched. I'm sorry, in 127. That's amazing with just 22 rocks. That's an average of 12.5 strikeouts per nine. He's posted double-digit strikeouts in 12 of his starts, including eight consecutive starts. This guy is amazing. I was hoping that my team would find a way to grab him, but I'm sure the price was too high, so it's okay. He's with the Red Sox now, which I don't like as well. But Chris Sale, I'm going to go with him for the Cy Young. For the Rookie of the Year, I'm going to go with Judge as well. I mean, there really is no one behind him who you can say um, can win. Aaron Judge has been a beast. He's been amazing. And there's not really much more you can say about him. For Manager of the Year, I'm going to go with A.J. Hinch with the Astros. His team has been dominant since day one. Um, It's kind of hard when you're that good to play that well for so long. Most times you play well. And you kind of like take your foot off off of the gas. Um, But he's made sure that his team has stayed locked in. And for that, I'm going to go with him for manager of the year in the American League. In the National League, my MVP is Paul Goldschmidt. Nobody talks about this guy the way that they should. Goldschmidt is the real deal. He's a problem. He really is. And he plays first base. And this guy has just been amazing. He's hitting 313 with a 429 on base percentage, a 584 slugging percentage, 20 home runs, 67 RBIs, 73 run scores, and he has some wheels with 13 stolen bases. Harper's having a great year as well, a nice bounce back year. Um, we know what he can be, but Goldschmidt is the man for sure. And for Cy Young, I'm going to go with Max Scherzer. He's 10 and 5 with a 2.10 ERA, striking out 173 batters in 128 innings pitched, with 27 walks and his WHIP is .77. That is just nasty. Kershaw as well has been really good. He's the runner-up for me. Rookie of the year, I'm going to go with Cody Bellinger. He's come up on the scene this year. And his team has played really, really well. Seager came up in 2016, and he played well. So they have a nice young core there as well in 68 games. Bellinger is hitting 259 with a 948 OPS, 24 homers and 56 RBIs. If you think about it, that's 65 hits, and 24 of them have left the ballpark. 
39 have been for extra base hits. I mean, there's not really much you can say. This guy has been a beast, and he's going to be good for a long time as well. For the manager of the year in the National League, I'm going to go with Bud Black from the Rockies. His team has played extremely well. Um, He was with the Padres the year before, and he went to manage the Rockies. Coors Field is a very tough place to play, especially in the National League West, where it's known to be very tough. Um, But he's handled things the right way. Cargo has been hurt, of course. He hasn't been um, playing well. Desmond as well has been hurt. So even even without that, the Rockies are in a place where they can make a postseason run. So shout out to Bud Black. He's done an excellent job. And those are my midseason awards for the major leagues. Now, before we get into basketball talk, just wanted to remind everyone again of the number to call in. It's 646-564-9820. That's 646-564-9820. I know we got off to a late start, but thank you for all of you who are listening in. The podcast should be up tonight on iTunes, so be on the lookout for that. Subscribe and download the podcast there. And now we're going to get into some basketball talk. This is the NBA Free Agency Part 2. We had Part 1 last week. A lot of guys had signed. But this year, the most notable signing was Gordon Hayward, former forward from the Utah Jazz, agreed to sign and play with his former college coach in Brad Stevens, and he is now part of my team, the Boston Celtics, which I'm really excited about. Um, Hayward, I feel, will be a great piece for us. He'll definitely help to take off the um, offensive load from IT, who a lot of times last year, I mean, he put us on his back. All all five foot eight of him put us on his back, but when it was all said and done, he needed help. Hayward is that type of guy who can help a team on both ends of the floor. So I'm excited to have him. I'm glad that he chose us. It was a choice between the Jazz, the Heat, and the Celtics. And when it was all said and done, which was on July 4th, it was pretty interesting how everything went down, a tweet came out from uh, Hayes, Chris Hayes from ESPN, stating that Hayward's intent was to sign with the Celtics. As a result, I go online, I'm going buck wild, I'm in group chats going crazy, posting stuff up, let's go, I'm hype, Hayward to the seas, finally. And then later on, his agent comes out and says, uh, yeah, we're not too sure about that yet. He's still trying to see where he wants to play. Bruh, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm like, I hope that, you know, perhaps they wanted to break the news their own way. So perhaps that they were trying to just, you know, lay low and divert us. But turned out he signed with us. He will be a Celtic. He'll be rocking that green, wearing number 20, Ray Allen. His number will not be retired in Boston, which is another interesting story as well. But Gordon Hayward will be with us right now. Our starting lineup is looking like Isaiah Thomas, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Morris, and Al Horford. Now, I know there's a few names in there that you're like, what? Yes, Avery Bradley, as a result of the Gordon Hayward signing, was traded to the Detroit Pistons for Marcus Morris. They needed to create about $2.3 million in salary cap space 
As a result, they traded away Avery Bradley, who was drafted um, by this team. He's homegrown. He's been with us for a long time. He's really a great guy. He's played well for us. I'm going to miss him, but we were not able to retain him. We would not have been able to retain him next year either. He was a free agent next year. IT is as well. Smart is as well. It was impossible for us to retain all three unless we handcuffed our, ourselves. And, of course, Danny Age would not allow that to happen. So the domino effect of the Gordon Hayward trade, I'm sorry, the Gordon Hayward signing, is that Avery Bradley was traded from the Pistons, I'm sorry, from the Celtics to the Pistons, and we got a forward in Marcus Morris, who averaged 14 and a half points last year with five boards, and he'll be able to slot in nicely for us. And uh, Jalen Brown, now his role will increase, and I think that he'll be good to go for that. He's played extremely level, extremely well in the summer league games, and I think he's ready to make that jump, and he can slide into the two hole for us. Marcus Smart can come off the bench. Marcus Smart may start. I'm not too sure. Um, But if Marcus Smart starts, then the bench will be extremely young. So I think Jalen Brown starts and Marcus Smart comes off of the bench. But that was the big trade. Um, That was the domino effect for the Gordon Hayward signing. And as a Celtic fan, I am super excited for next year. We have definitely bolstered our roster. And um, I don't think that we're done yet. Danny Ainge also recently signed Aaron Baines from Detroit for the 5.3 full room cap exception. I'm sorry, 4.3 million full room cap exception. We needed a big, badly. I mean, he's not a guy you go buck wild for, but he's definitely a good piece who can play well for us. Um, Stevens will put him to great use, and I'm excited to what he can bring for us as well. So as a whole, in the past two years, we've signed Horford, we've signed Hayward, we've drafted Jalen Brown, and we've drafted Jason Tatum, who has been putting on an absolute show in the Summer League games, both in Utah and Vegas as well. This guy is going to be a beast. Everything that was said about him before draft night was true. He's the most polished offensive player in the draft. He has a series of moves, which is rare to see. He's only 19, and he's got the spin moves. He got the step back. He got the Dirk fade, the KD fade, Dirk off of one leg. I mean, to watch this guy has been amazing. He's averaging a double-double in Summer League. Now, I get it. That doesn't mean much, but just the fact that he's putting his name on the map is pretty big. I'm not sure what type of role he'll have for us next year, I wanted him to start at the four, but it might be too much considering the fact that he is so young. But he'll definitely be playing a lot. Jalen Brown, I think, will be at the two. So he'll kind of take Jalen Brown's role from last year, maybe play 15-18 per game, maybe 18-21. But if he scores, Stevens will put him in there for sure. So I'm excited about that. Rudy Gay has signed with the San Antonio Spurs. He opted out of a $14 million option with the Kings, and he signed a two-year deal with the Spurs for about $14 mil. So he definitely took a huge pay cut. Obviously, he wants to win. I think that's a good move for the Spurs. Another threat as long as he stays healthy. This guy has been hurt almost every year. 
He kills me every year in my fantasy leagues. I don't know why I continue to draft him, but he kills me. So if he stays healthy, that'll be another good piece to that team. Um, They're starting five. I'm not even going to try to say it because I don't know for sure. I know Deadman may be gone. Dwayne Deadman. I was hoping that the Celtics would grab him, but I think his price tag was too expensive. Um, but you have a core of Kawhi, um, Gay, Aldridge, Danny Green as well. So the Spurs will be a great team again. Probably another 61 year for them. So another exciting team to watch in the West, the stacked West, I should say. Golden State and Houston and the Spurs are definitely all up there. And I really can't wait for the NBA season to start. In regards to Golden State, they added two guys to their bench. Omri Caspi, as well as Swaggy P, a.k.a. Nick Young. I don't know how many threes that they're going to shoot a game next year, but Swaggy P has no conscience. He just yokes up threes, and that falls right in line with their team. So another threat off of the bench. That was a great signing for them. And uh, Nick Young might get his first chip next year. So let's see what happens. They definitely improved their roster with those two moves. I also want to talk about the Sacramento Kings. They've been doing amazing things, and no one really talks about them. They have Fox, who they got through the draft, but they were also able to sign a lot of veteran guys. Vince Carter, Zach Randolph, Zebo, and George Hill. I mean, you bring in guys like this, and they are going to mentor these guys, these young guys, so much. They have a nice young core, so I'm really excited about what, the, they'll, what they'll do next year. Um, the Sacramento Kings, be on the lookout for them but I like that they're trying to change the culture there. For a long time, the culture has been absolutely terrible, but they've made a nice string of moves, and hopefully it results in some wins. I'm not saying that they'll go the whole way, but at least it'll be a step in the right direction. For the Miami Heat, they lost out on Gordon Hayward, again to the Boston Celtics. So their consolation prizes, I have to say prizes because it was more of them, was Deion Waiters, Kelly Olynyk. And James Johnson, who I was also interested for the Celtics as well as a big. But they locked up all three of those guys. Waiters and Johnson were already on the team. And um, that was a good move for them. For OKC, they also made another big move by re-signing Andre Robertson. Last year, it was kind of tough for him because he had to be in an offensive role, which he wasn't used to. But now that they got Paul George... And now he'll be in the role that he that he should be in. More of a guy who plays hard D. Um, not really a guy that can shoot, but just a defensive stop. This guy is a beast on the defensive end. And to add that to that team, to bring him back, again, you have, Re- uh, you have um, Westbrook, Paul George, Roberson, Cantor, and um, Steven Adams. So... That's going to be a good team to watch next year as well. Danilo Gallinari, who was another big name, he went to the Clippers. And that's a good signing for them as well. Another nice piece to add to Blake. Still don't think that they'll go far. They for sure had to have somebody who can score, so he definitely fills that role. But he's another guy who's been hurt a lot, so I'm not sure what he'll be next year. But that was a good move for them. Additionally... Um, Otto Porter Jr. signed a offer sheet 
for 104 million bucks for four years with the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets are showing no games. I'll tell you this much. I'm kind of scared because we own their pick next year. So, of course, I don't want them to be a good team. Um, but they've been, they, they've been trying to make some some smooth moves. And uh, they signed him to a um, – I'm sorry. They signed him to a sheet deal, and Washington matched that deal. So they lost out on him which leads them to their next piece that they were going to try to sign, which is Contavious Caldwell um, Pope from Detroit. Detroit renounced his rights, so he is an unrestricted free agent at this point in time, and that's definitely a guy that the Nets will probably go after. So let's see what they can do. Like I said, they have a nice young core. I hope that they don't play too, too well. You know, I want them to do okay. But not too well, like I said, because we own their pick. Yes, that is a bit selfish of me, but I am a Celtic fan. So, but um, last but not least, the Knicks, their big move was signing Tim Hardaway Jr. Tim Hardaway Jr. was signed to a four-year, $71 million deal. You're talking about $17 million a year for a guy who had his one good year last year, his breakout year, and the Knicks jumped out the window for him, in my personal opinion. This is how I feel. I feel it wasn't worth it. This is a guy you're going to have locked up for four years. They have Courtney Lee as well, who hasn't played well himself. I understand that he played well last year for the um, for the Hawks. He definitely did. He did his thing. But $17 bucks a year? I don't know about that one. That made me scratch my head. Something came out today, actually. I was on Twitter, and it was a verified account, someone by the name of Steve Popper. I'm not too sure. I don't know him too well, but his tweet just came up on my timeline. He's an NBA columnist and a Knicks beat writer, and he writes for USA Today. He posted a tweet. He had a conversation with Tim. And Timmy basically said that the Knicks told him straight up, you have to obviously improve a lot more on defense and improve a lot more on the offensive end. Now, I wrote to him because I was just baffled by this. And I said, please make this clear. Did they say this when they made the trade for him? Because he was on the Knicks beforehand. So in my mind, it would make sense if, He was on the Knicks beforehand, and now they're going to make a trade. And they tell him, you know, you played well for us, but we're going to go another route because we need you to work on your O, and we need you to work on your D as well. I get that. But Steve Popper replied to me, and he says, no, they said this when recruiting him this time. So you're signing a guy to a $71 million deal, But you tell him, hey, we need you to do better. I I, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm just baffled. I really am. You know that the guy isn't playing his best. You want him to do more, but you still give him that deal? Like, what did it take for them to say, okay. Like, they went to him and said, hey, you know, we really need you to get right. And Tim said, okay, yeah, sure. And the Knicks were like, all right, 71 mil. I can do that. I mean, 
What does it take? I know that the Knicks have not made much moves. I'm not sure why they're still in like this thing with D Rose. They want him, they don't want him. I'm not too sure. And I'm not trying to bash the Knicks either. But this this doesn't speak volumes or speak well to this move. It makes Knicks fans question why did they make this move in the first place if they told the guy himself, We need you to improve. We need you to improve, but here is seventy one million dollars. I, don't, I really don't get it. It blows my mind. It really does. Um, am I shocked? No. But this is some of the stuff that has happened with the Knicks for a long time. And hopefully they can right the ship. They have Frank, the French assassin. Do not sign D-Rose. Let him start. Let him learn. It's okay. It's okay to lose. A lot of these teams don't think that way. They think that they have to put out a winning team each year. And I get it. That's the mindset of the fans. That's the mindset of those who own that club. That is the mindset of those who play the game. But when you look at your team realistically, you have to understand and realize when it's time to blow it up. I mean, start from fresh. And Phil started from fresh about three times in his three years. So... It's kind of hard for a Knicks fan to accept, oh, man, now we got to start fresh. But to sign Tim to a four-year deal, he's locked in for four years for $17 million. And now the cap won't go up much. The cap went up these past few years because the TV deal kicked in. But the cap won't go, much, go, won't go up much now. I mean, and they have bad contracts on their team as is. Joakim Noah has to be signed to one of the worst contracts in NBA history. This guy is just robbing the Knicks of their money. And then you sign Tim to 17 mil a year, almost 18 mil. I mean, if he plays like an all-star, great. But I don't see that from him. So I don't feel like he's worth it. But perhaps the Knicks did. Perhaps they did feel that he was. And perhaps they felt, you know, we have to make moves. We got to do something. We're the Knicks, which I get that too. But again, it's okay to lose. You can't win every year. You got to build. And I know that they're trying to build now. But let's see what happens. I just don't like this move for them. I don't think that this was the right move for the direction that the team is trying to go to. But... Let's see. Some Knicks fans are okay with it. Some Knicks fans aren't, as with every move. So that's that. Aside from that, um, Jamal Crawford is working out a buyout with the Hawks, which is the team that he was traded to. Of course, for every guy that's waived, every guy that's, you know, out there, all you hear is calves, calves, calves. Like, just this itch for the Cavs to grab somebody. But they haven't grabbed no one. They've had a very disappointing offseason, and their window is closing. The Cavs' window is closing, and I mean rapidly. This is their last year. They're in a salary cap nightmare. It is absolutely disgusting when you look at it. They have no room. They have no room. Their bench, trash trash. Signing a lot of old guys, a lot of has-beens, 
guys who they think can put in work somehow, some way, and it hasn't panned out that way. I don't know how they're going to fill out their roster this year, but their window's closing. And as a Celtics fan, of course, that's exciting because that's the only thing preventing us from getting to the top. So as long as LeBron James plays in this league, uh, it'll be hard for a lot of teams to surpass him, especially in the East. But the Cavs are wearing down. They really are. So that's my take on all NBA and MLB things for this week. The Home Run Derby was amazing. Again, Aaron Judge was the winner. As a Yankee fan, that's so exciting. I really hope they turn it around this year. The second half is here. Let's go out there. Let's get some runs. Let's pitch well. We'll see you guys next week. We'll be on Monday on our regularly scheduled timing at 10 o'clock. I'm sorry, not at 10 o'clock. At 9 o'clock p.m. We'll be on next week at 9 o'clock p.m. Breaking news, not quite, but it says that the Knicks and Carmelo Anthony are confident about a trade to the Rockets. They're working a trade. According to ESPN's Ian Begley, he said on SportsCenter that both parties are confident that a deal will get done. I'm not so sure what to take from this because I've been hearing this for the past few days, but let's see what happens. I'm not sure who they'll give up either. Anyway, thank you guys for calling in. We truly appreciate it. I'm your host, J-Rod. This is the Take It or Leave It podcast. We'll be on again next week at 9 o'clock on Blog Talk Radio. Don't forget to subscribe and download the podcast from iTunes as well as the podcast app on your iPhone. This podcast will be up when you wake up tomorrow in the morning, so be sure to download it. Drop your feedback. Call me. Text me. Let me know. You guys have a good night. Take care.